Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, I need you to pay close attention to this message. It is not an ad. This is about Canada land and this is about you. You need to know that the news crisis is about to get a lot worse. You've heard about the layoffs. We're about to have news closures and it's very likely that we're going to be seeing the defunding of the CBC. Where are you going to get your information from? What can you do about this? You can support Canada land. We need you to. And so for this month and this month only, you can become a Canada land supporter and get everything our supporters get for just $2 a month. That is an almost 80% discount. The clock is ticking on this. It disappears at the end of the month, and then we will not offer it. We need your support. We need to keep news coverage alive in Canada. Go right now to canadaland.com slash join. And thank you. This episode is brought to you by the Center for Addiction and Mental Health here in Toronto. Cutting-edge, state-of-the-art, compassionate facility. Right now, it is Mental Health Awareness Week. This is the time when they need you most. This is the time when you can make a real difference when it comes to doing something about the mental health crisis and the devastating opioid epidemic, the overdose epidemic that we're currently experiencing, losing 20 people every day. They need your help. Donate at camh.ca slash canadaland to help CAMH treat addiction and build hope. Where do we go now? Where do we go? Where do we go, Jen One, welcome, <laughs> welcome back to Canada Land. That was, uh, that was my Axel. It's better than Stephen Harper's Axel Rose. Yeah, I guess so. That that's was, uh, not saying much, no, though. No, that's uh, Stephen Harper and myself ruining a perfectly good song. Uh, Jen Wong is back on Canada Land, this time for Shortcuts. Uh, and Jen Wong, you are a patron of Canada Land. Thank you. Let's yes, disclose it. But uh, Harper's band has a new drummer. <laughs> There's always problems with your drummer. He had drummer problems. I, I like to listen. I like to just rock out to some Stephen Harper cover tunes <laughs> in front of my George W. Bush still life paintings. No, I don't, I don't keep them here. The valuables yeah, I'm looking are around. I, I don't see any George Bush in the studio. <laughs> Where do we go? <laughs> Jen Wong, welcome back to Canada Land. Welcome to Canada Land Shortcuts. This episode of Canada Land Shortcuts is brought to you by Darcy Castleman, Ian Pearson, Lola Landekick, Nancy Zimmerman, Graham Stewart, Duncan Kinney, Anna Killen, Brian Poets, Sean Michaels, and Zach Greenberg. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Uh, it's amazing the things that we tell ourselves to talk ourselves out of getting help. 
Anybody who's actually gotten help knows that the process of getting things off your chest, of taking your stressors, your problems, and just like not letting them be bottled up, working through just conveying them to somebody, half of the battle is just doing that. You unburden yourself. And you know what? If you have a real mental health professional, no, they don't have magic bullets or magic words that make it all go away. But often they can help you see things a little bit differently and guide you to strategies or tools or to a new perspective that actually does help. As the largest online therapy provider in the world, BetterHelp can provide access to mental health professionals with a wide variety of expertise in mental health. Because you listen to this podcast, you get 10% off of your first month at BetterHelp.com slash CanadaLand. That's BetterHelp.com slash CanadaLand. This episode is brought to you by the Center for Addiction and Mental Health. Right now, there is an opioid crisis. Right now, there is a mental health crisis. But right now, it is Mental Health Week. And what that means is you can do something about these crises. You can help people. You can help CAMH save lives. They offer treatment with dignity, and they are doing cutting-edge research. I don't know if anybody listening to this is untouched by this crisis. You can see it in the downtown of every city in this country. You certainly feel it in Toronto. This is not something happening to other people. These are our friends. These are our communities, our families. We are all touched by addiction. We are all touched by the mental health crisis, and we all share responsibility to do something about it. Helping CAMH is something you can do about it. Help change mental health care forever. Your support will help CAMH build a future where nobody is left behind. Donate at camh.ca slash CanadaLand to help them treat addiction and build hope. Tonight, the shocking truth behind the CIA's graphic torture of terror suspects. We do not torture. Oh, but America did torture, says the report. The American spy agency set up torture chambers, used them, then lied about using them. Canada was among those turning over to the Americans detainees captured by our soldiers in Afghanistan. Today, the world learned exactly how often it used it and just how brutal it was. So-called enhanced interrogation techniques. That included things like waterboarding, uh, depriving people of sleep for days on end. Nudity ice baths, shackling in the cold, and more. Quite horrible. Yeah. But for torture to suddenly be in the news, oh my God, they've been torturing people, and of course, oh my God, Canada's been complicit in this. It's not news, is it? I mean, this are, we, 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 knew, we knew and we've known for years. Yes and no. We've known for years, but we didn't really grasp the, all the gory details and the scope, and we didn't really know the ins and outs of who knew and who was trying not to know. And and also, I think one of the big revelations to me is that they didn't get anything out of it, but they tried to lie about it. They tried yeah. to say, we caught bad guys, we saved American lives, when in fact, this report makes it quite clear nobody was saved. No good information came out of the torture sessions. That's right. They lost all moral authority, and, and the information you get is is no good because people will say anything. Right. But I knew that last week. I'm not against— You did? I did. I'm not sure I, I did. I didn't know all of these gory details, um, and I think that—I'm not against the Senate doing a full transparent—and uh, you know, and if this indeed was full, but like trying to account for 
over a decade of, of government-sanctioned torture. That, that is a necessary process that has to happen. It wasn't uh, necessarily going to happen. There was a big political fight behind the scenes, and all we got was the executive summary. We haven't seen, and we probably won't see, the full report. Yeah, um, that, that there's a familiar ring to it, uh, <laughs> the internal investigation. <laughs> this is what you're allowed to see. Yeah, an institution uh, investigating itself and then uh, disclosing certain key findings. But okay, they, 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 I'm glad that they did that. And it's not like I think that the news should not cover that that came out. But from a Canadian perspective, we're suddenly filled with headlines. You know, we were, Meher Arar is back in the news. Right. And the fact that we allowed, uh, we were totally complicit and allowed the CIA to use our airports and that we knew what was going on and that we used information that was gleaned, bad information that was gleaned from torture and that we shared information with the Americans that led to people, that led to rendition, that led to torture. All of that was part of the public record. And, and I, I, I can't help but push back a little bit that, like, it's America that started this whole thing that's most guilty. Why do we need them to tell us that we were guilty when we knew it? And why do we need to be in an America? It's, it's that same Canadian thing. Oh, the Americans said that Canada was complicit. So now we can finally have, like, a really open conversation and hold people to account. And, and finally, it gets picked up as the new news cycles do – you know, Trudeau is, is off and, and the NDP is off banging their drums against Harper and saying, you know, we need to stop this and account for this. And it becomes a political event when, from our perspective, I don't think that we learned anything. There was a teeny tidbit in the star about one terrorism suspect who called another terrorism suspect from Canadian soil. As far as I can tell, yeah. that, is, that is the sum total of the revelation of the news that, from a Canadian perspective, we've gotten out of this. So, you know, like, it's back to that same issue of, why is the media afraid to make an issue out of something? Why do they have to wait for some external body to release a report or do a poll or something? Well, I think we have to wait because we didn't know the gory details. And we couldn't have known the gory details because this was classified. Mm -hmm. And it, actually, in the report, they talk about the CIA uh, selectively leaking stuff to journalists that would make the CIA look good. And nobody went after them or prosecuted the leaked information. So this was all part of a conspiracy. And the media went along with it because when you get a secret document or leaked, you get really excited. And, and it is news, so you get it. But really, you're being manipulated to show a certain picture yeah. of what's going on. So I, I disagree with you. I think that this CIA report is actually full of... Really interesting stuff. And yes, Maharar and the others are back in the news, but in a different way. Now, we, we saw them before as, oh, my God, this happened to this poor guy, and it's unbelievable. But now we get the whole picture. It's sort of like we had one guy in focus. Now we have the panoramic shot of what was happening uh, under CIA uh, administration. And I think the New York Times makes the point that the CIA was a spy agency. They weren't really in charge of torture and prisoners. And so they didn't really have training or whatever you want to call it. They just went in mm -hmm. and they manipulated uh, the forces, the bureaucratic forces, to give them a free hand. They did whatever they wanted and they were telling people, you don't actually want to know this. When George Bush asked something, they don't want to know this. And, and actually, within they've all written books, right? Bush has written a book. Condi Rice has written a book. And so now people are going back and looking at exactly what they said. And it doesn't – they don't agree. So yeah. They, I mean and that is like just worth saying regardless of the circumstances. When yeah. I hear on the news this morning 
people digging up sound clips of W saying, yeah. we don't torture. Actually, you did. Yeah. Th- that is an instructive. So it's important. It and I know you, you feel like uh, there's nothing new in this, but I think it is really important to know all the harm that was done. Can you imagine if you were waterboarded and they go, well, you know, we already knew somebody was waterboarded. So what's another guy being watered? You wouldn't like that. No. I think every body counts. Every bit of torture counts, and it all needs to be recorded. And that's why journalism is important. We don't just say, well, yeah, it happened, so what? We, we actually do want to go back and rake through it and, and parse it and look at it and report it. And it is good because people are writing new stories. And forget about what I think about it. Like Meher Arar was on Twitter today, and he wasn't saying, oh, why do you suddenly care about me now? <laughs> it's like, oh, good. People today, yeah. for whatever reason, care about this. So, you know, he was tweeting about the issue itself and not the meta issue. He was tweeting about what torture, it, it tells you so little yeah. of, of actual information, but it tells you volumes about the torture. Exactly. So he's like, you know, anybody who, who this is their issue, fine. The news has turned, has, has shot, you know, it's, it's come around. It's know. really important. It is. I think but it's it was really important. important. It was always important, but that uh, that's why I'm just objecting to you saying, eh, so what else is new? I think it's really important. <laughs> and, you know, these guys are war criminals, and right now they're in power and they're not touchable. So, but but for the record and for history, we know now they are war criminals. You could argue that there are a certain set of ingredients that make up a great songwriter. Universal appeal, longevity, relevance, a signature style, a creative voice. Tom Petty has every one of those ingredients and can lay claim to being one of the finest songwriters of our time. When you're writing free falling, do you, do, do you know in your bones? You kind of go, man, this is a, this is a big song. And I knew that was a good one because I played it all night when I went home. I just kept, you know, I rarely play myself. And I went home and I just kept playing that track. I'm Gian Gomeshi in Malibu, California. So that was Gian Gameshi. Yeah. Miss his voice, don't you? <laughs> it's odd to hear his voice. Yeah. Um, but that was him in in, uh, in the summer, a feature interview with Tom Petty that we just learned, uh, thanks to Kevin Donovan at The Star, uh, he was paid by Tom Petty's label, $5,000. Uh, he, he wasn't— The CBC was paid. Yeah. He was—his expenses were covered. Right. He didn't get 5000 to put in his bank account. No, he did get a per clear. diem, uh, somewhat less than that. Yeah. Um, but essentially, money changed hands. Money changed hands to do the story. To do the story for Q. And there's one defense there that, and this is something that people have made, you know, well, you, the Toronto Star, who are you to point fingers about expenses being covered when your travel writers, your you know what 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 is happening in the wheels section? What is happening in all of the? We have different standards for lifestyle, culture, and service journalism than we do for hard news. Of course, there's two main distinctions. One is that this is the public broadcaster, and they actually have rules about this. The second is that that interview uh, also aired on the national, hmm. which is a hard news show. Which well, is just the because the star broadcast. does things they shouldn't do doesn't mean that when they talk about what the CBC shouldn't do, it it negates it, it neutralizes it, it doesn't. So do you think that there's an argu- argument to be made to defend that, that practice? No, I think it's a terrible practice. Uh, I don't think journalists should take anything to cover 
a, a subject or a topic. Uh, no, you should pay your own way. And mm-hmm. and maybe not for a movie ticket. I mean, maybe movie critics go in and see a movie and they don't pay. They flash their ID. And I think that's small enough. I think if you get under 10 or $15, I'm okay with that. It used to be $5. That shows you how old I am. <laughs> that, that we, we really had a rule at the newspaper, I think the Gazette. Uh-huh. You couldn't take anything more than five bucks. Uh-huh. You know, they'd let you take a baseball cap. But after that, no, you can't. Because the perception is that you're getting bought. Whether or not you're getting bought, you don't want that. You want to stay neutral. So I think it's terrible that they took it. What's really embarrassing is that the CBC can't even afford to send somebody on a trip. But yeah. that's a whole other subject. But they and shouldn't as- have done it. Uh, yeah, well, uh, you know, as the story unraveled in the Star, it was clear that they've done this before. I mean, yeah, and apparently they take like free hotels and airfare to go to another city to produce their show because they say nice things about the other city. It's like, oh my god! I was surprised, and uh, you know, I'm not easily shocked by this stuff, and I know that. Every newspaper out there, every news organization has these kinds of deals going. But somehow, even after everything that we've learned about about that show, that was one area where I thought oh, that's I was still able to be surprised by that. Yeah. And part of it is that you know that show became CBC's flagship arts and culture broadcast that every musician in the country wanted to get on. And I know a lot of people from the music community who are just disgusted. And there's two stories. The star has been good on this because not only did they uncover this $5,000 payment, but they also uh, were able to, to to cover how there's sort of a network of Gameshi's um, lawyer agent, and agent, agent. yeah, And all of their other clients right. would get uh, on the show as well. And and then, you know, when Light's album came out and Gameshi is the manager of Light's, it was all over the CBC. And when his book came out, it was all over. So there's a lot of stuff like that coming out now as well. And and I, I some of it actually did surprise me. And and it is Tom Petty we're talking about. He It's, it's not like Tom Petty bought his way onto Q. Like, well, I hate to say it, but I, I didn't even know who he was. <laughs> <laughs> Tom so Petty is somebody who probably— he's, he's like a big deal, right? He could get who onto knew? Q. Yeah. Who knew? But you, the point is— if Tom Petty uh, refused to go into a studio to do this and insisted it had to be face-to-face, Q should have said, well, sorry, we don't have the budget. Mm-hmm. And bye. And there's, a you know, a hundred other musicians that want to come on. So you don't have to. You don't have to do this. I don't see the point, especially I think- since I don't know who Tom Petty is. <laughs> you, know. you don't know Tom Petty? No, yet? I don't. Refugee? No. No? Okay. Sorry. You know what? I, I don't even think it's like that. I think that the CBC probably would have paid anyhow, but it's just a sweetener. They no, know that, they wouldn't pay. Is that they is went that, and asked? And yeah, they said no. We don't have the budget for that. Uh huh. It's the perception as yeah. much as anything else. Um, so what if I don't have five thousand dollars to you know? Or does that affect the way you cover it? And and if you came and you know, if Tom Petty paid five thousand dollars and then somehow it led you know, does that impinge upon CBC or Gameshi's ability to you know give him bad review? Or does it mean that he gets more praise? I mean, all of this stuff. Well, it was a pretty effusive introduction. Yeah, but which one isn't? You know. But yeah, exactly. Which one isn't? So just do another effusive. And, if, if, and you don't take 5, clear, if you want to be clear, if you want to be clear of all of this stuff, you just don't take a, a dime. Yeah, you don't take a dime. But everybody takes money. No. No, not everybody does. Everybody no, who doesn't. that's not true. Who doesn't? I think uh, a lot of reporters don't take a dime. A lot of radio people don't take a dime. A lot of TV people don't. T- I mean. I'm talking about know. organizations. Oh, organizations. 
Oh, okay. <laughs> right. And a lot of the places that have policies that don't take a dime, those policies only apply to their staff members. But then you talk to the freelancer, uh, the free, freelance travel writer, the freelance film critic uh, or film writer, and they would tell you, well, for what you're paying me to do of this course. stuff, I, there's absolutely no way I could do it. So I don't see how you could do it, be a reporter and take it. I don't. I don't see how you could get a free trip and write about it. You just can't. That's like going to someone's, your friend's house for dinner and writing a, 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 a review of the dinner. Like how, right? I would do that, but only to Corey Mintz. Um, <laughs> you know what? I, I, I think that like whatever you're going to do, you got to disclose it. Yes, and they don't because it's wrong and it's embarrassing. And readers will go, well, that's not worth the paper it's written on. That's the thing. is that So if you, that's why they don't. If you're not comfortable disclosing it, there's probably a reason. You probably exactly. shouldn't be doing it. I'm not talking freelance. Freelance, the whole world is, you yeah. know, the rates haven't gone up in 30 years. And they're struggling and they're starving. But, but when you say you're talking about freelance, there's a whole generation that is essentially freelance. I know, you know? I know. This stuff is only getting more and more problematic because – you know, it's tempting even if you've got a, a, a full-time job and benefits to take those those types of deals. You know, when you are a freelancer or you're going from contract to contract, and meanwhile, you have – if you can – if you are published in the New York Times or, or you know, the Globe and Mail, the CBC, you have the voice of this major institution – but you are getting compensated so poorly that it is a way for organizations to sort of hijack that voice. There's a, there's a weakness in the whole machinery yeah. that they can, they can slip into. And, and the big organizations are just pretending they don't see it. So I wanted to talk about these special features that the Globe has been running. And they don't look like other Globe stories. They're they're very big and pretty. And if, and, and if you look at them in the paper, they get huge. They look like magazine stories in the paper. And if you look at them online, this uh, thalidomide story and um, Eddie Snowshoe, this uh, First Nations guy who, who uh, hung himself in solitary confinement, very serious stories and, and very important stories that the Globe gives this kind of uh, luxe treatment to. Francis Kelsey is a Canadian heroine. A hundred-year-old is lauded in the United States, but few at home have ever heard of her. More than 50 years ago, she almost single-handedly averted disaster by refusing to approve thalidomide for use in the United States. It would be terrible if I had passed it. I'd have that all my life hanging over me. It was a terrible experience, but it did bring much better laws into effect. President John F. Kennedy awarded her the highest civilian award in the U.S., Meanwhile, in Canada, lack of such a staunch champion had dramatic consequences. There's video and pictures, and it's fading in and out, and mm -hmm, it scrolls mm -hmm. weirdly. I have trouble with it. They're hard to navigate, and they're hard to find. Um, and these are the banner stories that they're really thumping, and I'm sure are going to be submitted for newspaper awards. Mm -hmm, but that's right. when you try to Google them, because they're sort of formatted differently, like I was able to get all of these follow-up stories to the thalidomide story, but not the thalidomide story. Like it's not indexing properly. It all it all follows this. Um, what was it called? Snowfall or something? The New York Times. Yes, I saw that. They did this beautiful yeah. multimedia treatment, but it but an avalanche, right? Yeah, yeah. But I was of two minds about it. You know, I found it really annoying in the end. I read that story about the avalanche, and it just took so long. And I think nobody died, or maybe one guy died. And I thought. 
well, that was a lot of trouble. For, <laughs> I mean, I don't mean to be cold-hearted. But I, yeah, text is pretty effective. long. You know, like just words yeah, work pretty yeah. well. They had nice graphics, but I thought, well, is this going to end with 100 people dead? It didn't. No. So I felt kind of let down. That's it, is that the story has to somehow— And the thalidomide story, like that's a really good news story. And apparently they're picking up on some work that was done by the British press, and there was also like a movement from from the thalidomide survivors that the Globe is picking up on. But, all, but you know, whatever, all credit due to—, uh, to to Ingrid Peretz for writing this thing, which totally was like, you know, the globe gets results. This this led to the government, you know, unanimous support to compensate the survivors um, who who were, you know, whose mothers took this drug and were born with, with deformities and the government has just treated them terribly. And, you know, an apology is forthcoming, it seems. Adequate payment is forthcoming. And, and the globe was not afraid in this instance to even like beat a drum and like Andre Picard followed up with no it's it, it has to happen now and the money has to come out now and the apology has to happen now so th- that's great that they're using the, the masthead and and but I, I still found like why is this so long and the actual newsworthy parts of it I could have read in like three paragraphs but it takes so long to scroll down because of all the stuff they've they've hung on it like Christmas tree ornaments it's fancy yeah it's very fancy so you know, they're trying. They're yeah. trying to get uh, fresh eyes and readers who don't normally, you know, maybe you and I both like to read fast and we don't want all this junk to, we have to leapfrog over to get to the text. I personally like to just read fast. And then if I want to click on something, you know, a link, I'll do that. But don't interrupt me. I don't know how about, how you feel, but sometimes when I'm reading something and there, there's a link, I'm sort of tempted to click on it, but I know that I just want to read through first. Yeah. And, and But when they don't do that, when they start embedding all this stuff in it, it I find it kind of ADD-ish, you know? I put it's all, very I, distracting. Yeah, there's that. And, and like, it, it takes you away from just, like— uh, The storyline. I want the storyline. Yeah. And when the story isn't, you know, it, it sort of presents you like this is a, a rich documentary with sound and pictures and video and this and that and, and mood. You know, they yeah. really try to create a mood with these little fancy effects. But when it's like it's it's just a very clearly like the, the emotions of the thalidomide. Like yeah, you had me in paragraph two. This is yeah. wrong. It's an outrage, and nothing really shocking or revealing came out past that. But I was distracted by the prestige of the whole enterprise, and I also couldn't help. And this is something that you know, no casual reader, only somebody I think working you know in the field would probably assess, obsess about. But like I felt this was very expensive, you know. Yes. I think it's um, National Newspaper Award time. Yeah. And I think that's what it is. In an editorial meeting, they're sitting down. The top people are sitting down going, okay, we got to win some awards. I mean, I, I think it's great to start bringing in photography and video and it, the documents are right there. But maybe they could have offered two versions, one for like old-fashioned people who just want to read and then for people who have are totally distracted and only have a— <laughs> Attention span of four seconds they can put in the other one. It was very Globe and Mail-y to me, too, because they, as important as the stories were, if you're choosing, you know, we're going to pick a few stories to really put our resources towards, in their way, they were very safe stories. Well, what would have been a dangerous story? Well, to do something on uh, on torture a month ago might have been. Yeah. And to go after certain people in the Canadian power structure— that yeah. enabled it. That would have been gutsy. Yeah. But to, um, you know, stand on the side of the people who are deeply oppressed, yeah, there's no there's no risk. Yeah. 
It's better than the first time I saw one of these special reports, which was, you know, Ian Brown. The lobster. <laughs> reporting on <laughs> the lobster. Following a lobster around. <laughs> and then I, I remember reading that and I thought, you paid that much for your lobster dinner? And all they do is boil it? Like, come to my house. I can. I know where to get good lobsters, giant lobsters, and it doesn't cost anything. How do you like to do a lobster? You, you just boil it. Oh, okay. Yeah, or I could stir fry it Cantonese style with scallions and ginger. Ginger and scallions. Yeah, I can do that. Yeah. Well, have me over for lobster. I'll, okay. Uh, I'll blog about it afterwards. I'll give, you, <laughs> give you a good review. No, no, no. You go to Corey Mintz's house. <laughs> That was Canada Land Shortcuts. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, you can reach me at jesse at jessebrown.ca. Jan, where can people find you? I'm at St. Thomas University in Fredericton, New Brunswick. Come on, do you have, <laughs> is there a Twitter account? Oh, is oh, there oh. a column? Oh, what oh can I you have know? a, I, thanks. I have a website, www.janwong.ca. And my website is canadalandshow.com. The crowdfunding site is patreon.com slash canadaland. I produced this show along with Andrew Norton, and I am taking a week off, so tune in on Monday for the best of Canada Land. If you like this show, support it. Where do we go now? Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.